Hey everybody, welcome to the second episode of Finding Extraordinary. Here's a quote that I heard the other day. When you're letting go of something, you're only stressed because your mind can only measure what you will lose. It can't see what you will gain. Now there's something to think about. Now get ready for episode number two. Let's get it started. Say, uh, you know, in quite some time. I think also the other thing that we really, uh, that's important to me, is that when I'm interacting with clients, they know that I'm either writing, editing, working with, overseeing, guiding the process. I'm not just out there to sell them something and then hand it over to another team. I think that's hugely important. I think, I think in some areas of business outside of creative, you can have a salesperson and then hand it over to whatever team to execute. I don't think the creative world stands for it as much because you want to know that the person you're talking to and the person that's making you feel comfortable with an entity is the one that's going to then fight for your best interests within that entity to then give the best product at the end of the day. And that's where I think that's what's really given us the 25 years of success and we'll be in our 25th year starting in January. And, that, and that's, I think that's a huge piece of the puzzle. To just have someone go out and rep you and just get the business and then just hand it over to somebody, well, then the client now doesn't know who to talk to, who's the point of contact. And then as we've learned, as I've learned personally, to develop that trust factor between myself and a client, then you can get them to kind of pay attention to, well, let's try this. What if we have? What if we tried such and such? What if we went completely out of the box? And you know, I know you want this, but we also wrote you a script over here that's way out in left field. And maybe there was a way to bring way out in left field content concept, and and what you're looking for concept, and bring them together to make a little more noise in the marketplace. Because yeah. at this point, things that have pass around value have more value than just having it air on on the screen for thirty seconds and then move on. That is the voice of Joe Tamanini. Joe is the president of Studio City, which is a full-service marketing agency and production company that is based in Los Angeles. Joe works with a ton of different partners and brands, uh, some that you may know, like the Olympics, the Women's World Cup, the Ellen Show, and the Kelly Clarkson Show, and so many more. In this episode, we talk about a ton of different things. We talk about creativity, the business culture, how to do the job, Star Trek, Joe's love for music and how that's affected his career path. We even bring up Mel Robbins, how to invest your time, how you think and what to do, and then how not to be a know-it-all even when you are the CEO or the president or at the very top of your business. So Joe is one of my favorite people and has an amazing perspective on life and business and all. So I am Really excited for you to listen to this, and without further ado, let's get it started. The truth is, no one is born extraordinary, but everyone has extraordinary inside of them. It just has to be found. Welcome back to Finding Extraordinary. I am your host, Seth Markson. Each and every episode will deliver an exciting guest or message that will expand your mind and provide insight that will help unlock the secrets to finding your extraordinary. 
Thank you for spending some time with me. Let's get it started. Guys, I have uh, one of my favorite people, to be honest, uh, on the podcast today. And he might have not even known that, but uh, he's awesome to follow on Instagram. He knows my brother. He knows my family. And, uh, you know, just uh, I've got to know him a little bit over the year, and he is just an incredible person. And uh, that person is Joe Tamanini. So uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. That Well, listen, that's a very flattering open. <laughs> uh, I'm honored and humbled to be here, certainly. And, and, uh, and when you asked for me to join, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't say, how could I say no? We've had so many great conversations over the last year of knowing one another that, that now to kind of put it in this forum is fantastic. And yeah, getting to know, uh, you know other members of your family has been really wonderful. And they're also welcoming. You come from amazing familial history so this is great do i do i pay you now or do i uh well, yeah we can talk about it it's okay fine. cool venmo you got that i got yeah just venmo me it's fine all right perfect. yeah yeah well um you know like like you said we've had awesome conversations and uh especially the last one it just left me with like a ton to think about and i was like yeah yeah man it would be so great if if other people got to hear your perspective on life on business just, sure you know how you go about everything you do and um I guess we should tell everyone, you know, you uh, you work for Studio City Productions, you are the president, and you didn't just get that, you've had to work for that. Yeah, so Studio City, we are a full-service marketing agency and production company. Um, you know, a little bit about the company just as a whole, I mean, we do a lot of marketing for, uh, like, the Olympics for NBC, we've done the women, two Women's World Cups. Um, we also do a lot of programming for, uh, we do the marketing for like Ellen live with Kelly and Ryan, Dr. Oz. We've just brought on some new accounts as well. Kelly Clarkson being a new show this fall. Um, we do quite a bit, uh, in that regard, but we also develop, uh, our own shows that we've been, you know, out selling and pitching to networks. Um, and we just, uh, joined with a, a digital marketing agency that does digital theatrical marketing called Pixel. Uh, that we're super excited about. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a great growth of the company. But yeah, my trajectory has been a little interesting um, in that I started uh, about 15 and a half years ago as an intern um, at the company. Moved out from Pennsylvania to LA with a hope and a prayer <laughs> and uh, and a couple bucks in my pocket. And uh, yeah, just um, really fell in love with marketing. I was always fascinated by like movie trailers and who picks the best moments and how do you get me excited within a short amount of time and um and that's what the the promo game is all about so yeah so throughout the course of um several years uh yeah I was able to you know start getting into the edit bay I wanted to cut my own promos writing my own scripts um you know uh the owner of the company Stu Weiss was was very um encouraging in in my growth and uh, as well as many other members of the company um, that, you know, really got behind me. And then we got to a point where, uh, as I brought in my own clients um, to the company uh, and started working with them, I think it just really took on a life of its own. And it's been really, I've been very fortunate to be able to kind of carve my own path within our pre-existing organization and then help that organization grow into its newer chapters uh, as, as we've been doing it. Got it. And that's pretty amazing. That's a, I mean... Just the journey of basically starting as an intern and becoming president. There's so much in there. Uh, I, w- I kind of want to go back to yeah what you first 
said was you moved from from Pennsylvania yeah to LA yeah and that might seem pretty easy for some people but I want to say for most people moving cross country or to another country that's a daunting task for sure it was it you know sometimes fear can be a really good motivator right <laughs> you know a lot of people um you know, might want to use fear and let that, you know, kind of be its own prison. Um, I think just growing up, I was always taught that, you, you know, you know, put your head down, do good work, you know, fight for what you believe in and go. You know, I grew up in a, a small town in Pennsylvania, uh, about an hour north of Harrisburg called Milton. Lovely area. Great place to be from. Um, I enjoy going back and visiting. I, I really do. Uh, my entire family's back there. Um, with the exception of some siblings that have kind of moved, you know, into other areas. But I knew it wasn't going to be a place where I was going to be able to grow and thrive in media and marketing and creativity. That's not to say that others haven't. Uh, I just, it just wasn't my fit. And I think also being so close to New York, we'd always take trips to New York and, you know, we'd be in New York and that's obviously a major hub of media as well. And I honestly, I was tired of the weather. I was tired of the snow. <laughs> I was tired of the winters. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I knew I wanted to be like out the door and get myself to L.A. and be in the midst of, of this side of the entertainment world for sure. And yeah, it was it was it was scary. It was a scary thing. Um, you know, my parents helped me as much as they could, but I really had to carve my own path fiscally. Um, yeah, I, I was doing card tricks at bars and restaurants for tips. That's how I you know, paid for books and helped supplement some of my income in college. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, really? Yeah, it's a nerd. You never told me that before. Yeah, that's, that's a nerd wow. highlight. That's a <laughs> that's a true full-on nerd highlight right there. Can you still do some some tricks if I ask? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know if it'll translate over a podcast. No, but, we'll, we'll but get yeah, you on we'll, camera we can, at some point. We can sidebar that deal for sure. Um, but yeah, and I think, you know, I grew up, uh, my grandparents really raised me, um, all old world, you know, my Ukrainian grandmother that like wouldn't let a cold stop her no matter what, you know, kind of thing. And, and that, that work ethic was ingrained in me from a very young age. And I really am thankful for those around me that supported and, and drove that. I might have hated it at the time, being like seven, eight years old, wanting to play Tetris. You know, meanwhile, it's like, no, there's work to be done. Um, but I think that mixed with the creative process is what's kind of led to, to this and, and continues to fuel the growth. Because while I've gotten this far, I want to keep going. Yeah, and those, yeah, if, if you're going to keep going, you know, uh, what, what are some of the goals that you have in place for, for where you're at now? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, um, you know, I like, the more I learn about the creative process, the more I fall in love with it, right? Like, I think those that, and everybody is creative. I don't like. I sometimes will talk to people, and they'll look at what I'm doing, or they'll look what other my some of my colleagues are doing, and they'll kind of be a little timid about it, and 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 be like, "Well, I'm not the creative one. You're the creative one." Um, and it's like, "Well, no. Everyone has a creative bone in their body. I mean, whether it's something you're inspired by on Pinterest, something that you want to go do." The fact that you're actually trying to execute it and do it and find a way to be inspired by something to then get off the couch and do something is its own form of creativity. And I think that's a really important thing for people to remember. Um, I think over the years, um, as you know, when you learn how creativity needs to meet business and economics and then also what you're passionate about, right? 
is where you start to kind of peel back the layers of how to get things done. So, um, you know, for me, prime example, we all have that, oh, I thought about something in the shower and we forget about it 20 minutes later, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and so I would have those moments all the time. A tagline for an ad campaign, a concept for a talk show, a concept for a reality show, a concept for a scripted show. And I didn't, I didn't honor the creative process in that. I'd be like, oh, that'll pop back into my mind, whatever. I'd kind of crank on it for a couple minutes and then, but you don't, you forget it. And so like even something as simple as as soon as you have it flash into your brain, write it down, record yourself a voice memo, just capture it somewhere to like then, even if you don't come back to it for two years, at least the germ of the idea exists and you can, you know, circle back and start developing it into something new. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, since, since I've got you in the, in this headspace, sure. what's your creative process? Like if that idea does come into your head, what do you do at time? Like if you're in the shower or if like you're in the car, like what, how does, how does that process start for you? And then where do you go with it? Sure. Yeah. The shower thing is just a, okay, retain this for the next three minutes until I can dry off and write it down. Uh, the car is definitely the voice memo situation while you're driving. Uh, safely, right? Okay, let's be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think what it is is I kind of have a little bit of an internal barometer as to how excited I am at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. If it's something that's like, you know, we're, we've been assigned to come up with an ad campaign for, you know, from a client and we're really digging in and all of a sudden like that one line pops into your brain, it's like, okay, I really need to like write this down so I can just send out the email and get kind of start working that into a, a thing, right? Mm -hmm. If it's something like um, music, which I'm super passionate about, or, uh, you know, even, even, you know, in developing this, uh, this project, you know, uh, you know, with your brother and and that fantastic team of of amazing, amazing pilots and the Thunderbirds, you know, every day, there's something new that pops into my brain from a little factoid that I pick up, and then I just want to get to it uh, Mm -hmm. and start writing. So I think there's no one right way so long as you keep the ball in motion that's the biggest thing um that's the biggest thing just keeping things going even in entrepreneurship it doesn't even have to be just like creativity as far as like i'm going to write a song or make a tv show even entrepreneurship is its own creative thing even Mm -hmm. what you're doing on the daily is a creative thing so when you like today you sat down and you posted about an anecdote that happened and what you learned from it and derived from it, but you felt that it was worth taking to your audience out of what you've created as, as Seth, that in and of itself is a creative outlet, even in that few moments that you sat down and did it. And there's, okay, so, so now there's like a ton of stuff going in my head now. <laughs> I can go to, in the direction of, okay, uh, when you first interned versus now, what are, the, what are the creative possibilities? Sure. Because you, you brought up the whole thing that I did, and if that would have happened, you know, 15 years ago, there's no Facebook, there's no Instagram, and I couldn't right. share that with, you know, my quote-unquote audience. Correct. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, let, let, okay, let's, let's go through that route, and um, take me through the changes that you've seen uh, in the industry, both, you know, technically and culturally, Sure. With your business, because you've been with Studio City now for 15 years. Yeah, I look, I think the biggest change that we've seen um, 
is is the most obvious, and that is just the mass of content that anyone can consume at any given moment. So when I started, you know, in the Studio City world, it was you had your major broadcasters and your cable networks, right? And maybe you topped out at 100 plus channels, right? And that's a lot at any given moment, right? It was like maybe 120 if you were in some sort of good tier plus the premium networks, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, now you're into the 500s with multiple variations of, let's say, a CNN or a Fox News. Not just to talk about news, but then you have the sports networks that have six or seven different you know, derivative networks that are all under their subheading. And then you have all the mergers and acquisitions that occurred when NBC Universal is buying and acquiring, or now the CBS Viacom merger that's just occurred. So like, there's so much to sample from. Then now, add to that streaming and all of that and literally your brain is always spinning so just from a consumer level my brain is spinning as to where to go next right i enjoy a show i like that kind of show where can i find whatever that is so that has been the biggest change is just the sheer volume of content that anyone's gonna like consume that's when then couple that with now social media and people like building their brand on social media or posting or doing any of that now you're getting like kind of real-time friend feedback as to I kind of loathed the first kind of iteration of the Facebook world because it felt like people really didn't know what to post, right? They were just posting everything. I'm here, I made, I made mac and cheese with the kids, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. It's like little snapshots into your friends' lives, which is good under like under that umbrella of like people that you're hyper-connected to, your friends and family that are interested in those types of things. As more and more people would then start friending you or following you, like maybe just out of general peripheral interest, suddenly those things aren't as interesting to those people that are on the periphery. They might be more interested in, well, let's say, the things that you're doing at work or whatever. And I think what's happening now, which is really fascinating, is those that have learned to kind of harness the, the messaging or like post meaningful content are those that are having an expansion opportunity of what have you. Now, I'm not knocking the the core benefit of the social platforms, which is to remain connected to those that are most important to you, right? Mm -hmm. Because essentially what you're doing is if you're creating a private network, right, where your profile is private, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or any of those other social channels, you're essentially setting up a a cloud, so to speak, of your life so that people can peek in, right? Those that you trust to let into that world. Those that have public-facing profiles um, are, are kind of in a different world where they're either they're public-facing because they they're, they're not so worried about the privacy concerns or they're trying to bring other meaningful content to an audience, right? And so literally I, what I love about this generation that we're in is that everyone is a creator, anyone can be a creator. It's then up to the person as to what they want their audience to experience from their POV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and um, one thing that I've kind of noticed is what your what you you've made your social media for has a has a certain uh, motive and purpose. I think there's a motive and purpose for why you have made a uh, a profile, whether that be on Facebook, Twitter, or uh, Instagram or, or what have you. Correct. Right. So yeah, I agree with you. If, if it's private, you know, you, you kind of just want that glimpse, that cloud of, of, you know, your, your personal friends or your personal network to see what you're doing, 
uh, here and there. Right. But then it gets crazy when you become a public figure and Correct. you have you have a couple sides here. I think one of them is people who want to show just realness. Yep. The realness. Yep. And they they might have a motive to monetize uh, but from what they post on social media, but sure. Uh, then there's that there's that other side that solely just wants to monetize, and they're they're putting stuff that looks fantastic and amazing, and they're they're reaching uh, far stretches. Or how do I put this? They are extending themselves in real life yep. to post some type of photo, whether that's like a crazy photo or like um, a photo that's hard to obtain yep. uh, otherwise in life. And they're trying to monetize off that. And sure. it's not necessarily real, but they're portraying it as like, hey, this is my life. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what's been the fascinating thing is that that's starting to separate itself out, right? I think realism is overtaking perception, right? Realism is overtaking... Um, you know, what someone's trying to craft as far as their own narrative, whether it's on social channels or otherwise. Um, you know, we worked on the pilot of a talk show. It wasn't our show, it was for another, another network who hired us. And one of the segments that they did was talked about how social media had ruined uh, essentially two families' lives. Um, in that, um, one young lady, I don't remember her name, she was running a kind of a mom blog. And so, and that mom blog really took off. Now this was like kind of right at the inception point of Instagram when blogging was the thing. And then Instagram started kind of meeting up with that trend, right? Mm -hmm. As an outlet. And come to find that she ended up divorced, a single mom of three, because what ended up happening was she was so neurotic about needing to post the perfect picture and get the perfect content up there and all this other kind of stuff and create this image of the picture-perfect lifestyle that it actually drove her family apart. So instead of just the one picture, it's fall now, so that one picture at the pumpkin patch, it might have been a, you know, a happenstance snapshot, was 500 photos because the two-year-old wasn't looking at the camera right or maybe the four-year-old wasn't looking at the camera right. And so then family outings started to become work rather than just being a family outing. So that's why I applaud those that can kind of have a mix of, okay, here's this really cool thing that we did, but I'm okay to not see the perfectly staged shot with the color correction and all the other stuff. Just show me that you're out having a good time and you have something to say about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I've just been there so many times and seen so many people just stop enjoying themselves in life and in any moment to take a weird selfie or to, yeah. you know, um, have everyone pose like at dinner instead of just like enjoying the food that's in front of you. Exactly. And being in the wow. moment with your friends and family. Right. I yeah. think, you know, I think there's, and look, you post, I post, everyone posts, right? We're all yeah. posters. Right. And, and I think that's a good thing. I think what's, uh, I'm not saying I'm better than anyone else in this, but I, I try to keep it selfie-less and more like, here's this cool thing that's happening, or here's a funny anecdote, or here's whatever, right? And, and, and frankly, if you're just looking at the Instagram model, um, I tend to post that stuff in the Instagram stories that evaporates in 24 hours because it's, like, it's just an anecdote about my day. Like, here's a crazy thing that happened on the subway in New York, or here's a, 
a beautiful sunset. Like even just walking before I walked up the stairs, it was a gorgeous sunset with the clouds and it was all cotton candy pink and whatever. Just a little snapshot, throw that up there. Just it's lovely. Who cares? Like just people are either going to enjoy it or they aren't and they're just going to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then put the more meaningful content like genuinely on your feet as to what it is that you're trying to curate as a creator. Yeah. yeah it's almost like there's a there's like a, a system for for the realism like you're talking about and then yeah. there's a system for the uh, the perception on uh, and how you go about your day and it's it's fascinating to me sure because it totally just it it has a it has an effect on how you spend your day exactly and that's just crazy to me yeah I give I and I'll, I gotta give a shout out to uh, and and we've yet to meet in person which is so crazy but I do call him a friend um, uh, his name is Derek David Barron. He lives in Texas. His, uh, he's an artist. And I found him on Instagram kind of through a, a random happenstance thing. But he's a painter. He's, he's so good. He's got such a hip, cool style. And, on, and he's, he's got a wife and a beautiful young son. And on his feed, it's all of his art, right? It's, and it's the new things that he's working on. But in his stories, it's like he's taking the kid, you know, his son to judo practice and they're at the top golf and they're doing the fun things or it's a work in progress thing that he's doing and so they're so he's able to mix the his purpose obviously is to get his art exposure right to mm-hmm. everyone right so he, he knows that but also he's not hiding himself from the world and he's just being a genuine human in that process yeah and i think that's what's going to work down the line it's yeah. going to be you know uh show your professionalism through your your actual posts, like through your Facebook feed and or your, your Instagram uh, post feed. And then for your story, just uh, show real life. Like show like, hey, uh, my kid just took a shit and I have to, right. I have to clean right. it up. Exactly. Uh, this sucks, but you exactly. know, it's life. You know, right. that stuff will... That stuff is, is like what people can connect with. Correct. And then, you know, there's others that I follow and, and I'm just I'm just entertained by the things that they're coming upon during their day and they're mm-hmm. living their lives and they're posting about it, but they're doing but there's some humor to it or there's a wink to it. They're not trying to be so self important that they're not able to kind of laugh at themselves in the moment. Yeah. And I think that is where we're now at that breaking point where quality over quantity, right? Mm-hmm. So I you know, I don't it, I don't post every day. I'm not going to. I don't have time to sit there and come up with a well clever, like a clever <laughs> caption and all the proper hashtags. Even though my friends make fun of me for the hashtags, that I actually put hashtag hashtag. I'm a fan uh, of the hashtags. Yeah. Well, look, it's a it's a driving mechanism. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, um, I I was at a conference this last week, this last weekend, and the one of the speakers brought up this stat, which like started the it started spinning the wheels in my head and he brought up that if you take your your day and if you if you look at Facebook or Instagram for 30 minutes a day that boils down to 22 8 hour work days in a whole year Ooh. 22 8 hour work days yeah and if you could if you could put your time and efforts into something productive in creating something efficient that who knows, uh, could monetize something for you, uh, could build a relationship or something like that. Like, isn't that, isn't that crazy? And, and what I started to think was, or no, I'm sorry. It's not what I started to think. It's what this, the speaker said after that, he said, this is why when I, when I found out this stat, 
this is why I don't consume social media. I work social media. Exactly. And that's I work it. You're exactly right. And that that is the that is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Legit. Because you know, uh, I use social media in two ways. I work it as well. I use it as a as a mouthpiece for what it is that we're doing at our company or just things that are important to me that I'm passionate about or, or now that I've gained a bit of a following to support others that I believe in their cause. Um, but also, I use it for my own research. So if I find people that are doing a cool thing in a certain area, I will fall down the rabbit hole to you know follow a group of people in that, in that lane. And frankly, that's where sometimes I'll develop a show out of. I developed a show idea out of, not I solely, but just we as a company, but it was just kind of from some stuff that I stumbled down mm-hmm. of um, this young lady in Salt Lake City. Her name's Jessica, uh, now Wise, Jessica Wise, um, but at one point Jessica Haggett, she got married. Anyway, she started this online, uh, she started this women's only motorcycle group called The Litas. And she all she started it as was, she li- was living in Salt Lake City, she loves to ride her Harley through the mountains, and she just would post... Hey, if you're interested in meeting up, let's just meet up. Let's call ourselves the leaders and be done with it. Other female motorcycle riders across the country and in other cities saw that. And were like, hey, we want to start a chapter, and we want to start a chapter, and we want to start a chapter. She's grown it to this amazing thing. By the way, I don't think at first she was even trying to do that. She was just trying to get women together to make them feel empowered, like leave the boyfriend drama at home, leave the husband drama at home, let's go on adventures together. And so through that, I was like, well, this is fascinating. And here she is at, at that point, like in her, I don't know, 25, 26 years old. And now she's got this thing that's across 80 plus countries, 100, wow. maybe I think at this point, 200 plus cities. And, you know, Harley reaches out to her to, you know, hey, we'd like to do some female friendly content for, you know, Harley, et cetera. But this was not stuff that she was trying to do. It was because she was being genuinely passionate about what she was doing. And so we found that to be fascinating and started the development process. Now, did it end up becoming a series? No. Is that unfortunate? Yes, because I'm I'm so frustrated with... That's where I get frustrated with corporate America and their decision-making process because everyone's got a boss, right? My boss is a network. And so ultimately, it got passed upon. But it was like it was a prime example of seeing people passionate about what they do, and you're like, this is a story that needs to be told to a larger audience. And if, and if I, as Joe, or we as Studio City, or you as Seth, or whoever, can help tell those stories, I think then there's more value in that. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, I'm guessing that whether she did get the deal and was, was able to become um, someone on a, on a network series or a network show, mm-hmm. uh, she wouldn't change. She would be doing exactly what she's doing today. That's exactly right. And that's why we were so fascinated about her and still are, by the way. We still connect and we still, you know, touch base. And it's exactly right. That's kind of the new state of creating television, which is whether or not the cameras are on, this person is doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. versus we're going to bring a bunch of people together to make it look like that because the internet and audiences and people online are savvy and they will poke holes in it left, right, and center. And the last thing you want is somebody to be like, well, this is fake. These people have never been friends to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I think eight years ago, we had a certain tolerance for that. Yeah. And now people don't. And I'm glad that they don't because it forces, again, quality to rise to the top. Yep, yep. There's a, there's a great quote that, that Tom Bilyeu uses um 
he is he's the uh, owner and creator of Impact Theory. I don't know if you, oh, if you yeah. know him yet. Um, he's a guy that I follow, and he <laughs> he has this theory that no matter what industry you get into, no matter what business you get into, there's always room for the best. Yeah. There's always room for the best. Mm-hmm. And if you're not on top and if you're not getting talked to or if you're not being recognized yet, then you're not the best. And you'll know. You'll know when you are. Correct. So uh, I, I think right now with, with social media, if you are trying to monetize or, uh, you know, really build something and make an impact, there's, there's a little bit of a formula. And, sure. And tell me if I'm wrong here. But I think that you have to have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And we'll, I'll, I'll kind of go with uh, the woman that you just told me about. Her purpose is to empower women and uh, you know, show her passion for motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have to share real content. You have to share like, what's really going on with you. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her stuff, so I can't comment on it really, but I'd imagine that she just shares her day and oh, what's yeah. going on with her. And Everything then, from the dog tearing apart the bed to a home renovation to the new uh, new sissy bar she put on the back of her seat. Yeah, yeah. It's like just like I'm sure it's not. It's not like uh, like I think the word's curated. Like mm-hmm. she's not like fixing this up and then and then showing it. It's just what's going on in her life. Correct. And then three uh, is create a community, mm-hmm. and I think that's like the the biggest one. I mean, how cool is it to be to be someone who uh, is is part of her journey, if you believe in what she believes in, right? I think that's that's the coolest thing, and that's how you can really build yourself on social media. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right, and those are the three key, I think, ten poles to what it takes. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do want to say that, like, not everyone that's on social media is trying to build a brand and do their thing, which and I, which is also good right like you know so because sometimes you're like okay we don't have room for influencers everywhere and so and what i also find fascinating is that those that are passionate about it will continue to do it and work it like you'd said it that you'd heard in the in in your seminar right Mm -hmm. yeah versus the people that are just scrolling it and have this kind of fomo thing of like well i got to see what this person's doing and i got to see what this person's doing and oh my god that person's on vacation and oh i need to go on a vacation now and post about it (laughs) "Eh, you're not you're never going to catch up yeah yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, okay. I freaking love that. We really got into it there. We did. Um, we dug yeah. in. I love it. Um, I, I want to stay in, in kind of a similar realm and talk about your business practices that you've kind of developed over mm-hmm. time and what has stuck through the test of time. Like, sure. Like maybe a couple points that, that you think about that help you every day that have helped... Re- or maybe someone that uh, told you something as you were as you were uh, growing in Studio City that has literally stood through the test of time, you know, to where you are today. Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing that we've really taken pride in as a company, and that have always that's always been instilled in me, is to keep your head down, do really good work, and let the work speak for itself. People don't have a lot of patience for those that are going to talk about it, but rather those that are going to do it and then have something to show for it at the, on the other side. Mm-hmm. And we've always really prided ourselves in being that company. We don't do a lot of PR. We don't really push our message out there a ton. Um, we do when there's something to talk about, um, but we don't want to just 
be making noise to make noise. We'd rather, you know, kind of have people be like, oh, wait, you guys did that? And wait, oh, you guys did that? And oh, you guys did that? Because then that becomes the bigger calling card as you grow your business, right? Instead of, um, you know, being just all talk and no, all sizzle and no steak, as we say, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, quite some time. I think also the other thing that we really, uh, that's important to me is that when I'm interacting with clients, they know that I'm either writing, editing, working with, overseeing, guiding the process. I'm not just out there to sell them something and then hand it over to another team. I think that's hugely important. I think, I think in some areas of business outside of creative, you can have a salesperson and then hand it over to whatever team to execute. I don't think the creative world stands for it as much because you want to know that the person you're talking to and the person that's making you feel comfortable with an entity is the one that's going to then fight for your best interests within that entity to then give the best product at the end of the day. And that's where I think that's what's really given us the 25 years of success and we'll be in our 25th year starting in January. And that, and that's, I think that's a huge piece of the puzzle to just have someone go out and rep you and just get the business and then just hand it over to somebody. Well, then the client now doesn't know who to talk to, who's the point of contact. And then as we've learned, as I've learned personally, to develop that trust factor between myself and a client, then you can get them to kind of pay attention to, well, let's try this. What if we have, what if we tried such and such? What if we went completely out of the box and, you know, I know you want this, but we also wrote you a script over here. That's way out in left field and maybe there was a way to bring way out in left field content concept and and what you're looking for concept and bring them together to make a little more noise in the marketplace because at this point things that have pass around value have more value than just having it air on on the screen for 30 seconds and then move on is there is there a project that kind of comes to mind where where you took all of that and and it that embodies the project yeah, I, so we were tasked several years ago, a really good example of this just, I mean, we've done this several times, but a really fun example. Um, CBS came to us and said, hey, we're going to relaunch the original Star Trek series, but we've remastered in, a, in HD, and we're going to put that on our new digital channels, right? So they gave us all these HD masters of the original Star Trek series, and which we had to keep literally under lock and key and have security out the yin yang to make sure that none of it got leaked to wow. like super fans etc <laughs> right which was the first time we've kind of dealt with that which was also interesting i mean cbs has had been and all and still is a longtime client um but one of our writers at the time as we were you know we came up with all these you know grandiose concepts of like relive like the glory of star trek but now in fully restored hd and he was like, no, who cares? Like, that's, okay, great. And he came up with this wonderful concept that we call the flow chart, which literally was this fun breakdown of like, this is Kirk, he captains the Enterprise, this is such and such, this is uh, Spock, not Dr. Spock, Mr. Spock, blah, blah, blah. And it, it was just like this rapid fire 60 seconds of like every pop culture situ- thing that Star Trek has like guided like over the years. And then, you know, you... You want to you want to see it all in HD? Great, tune into whatever. And so at so it wasn't a promo for the fact that it was Star Trek in HD. It was leaning into the love of Star Trek in a fun, tongue in cheek, 
yeah. way with a wink <laughs> and then give the message to it. Because people don't want to be marketed to. They want to have, they want to have something that's fun that they can lean into or feel like they're getting the information, you know, kind of from their friends. This, I think, m was a mix of that. And I'll be glad to send you a link to the spot so you can see it. But it was, uh, it, and, and it went on to win us several awards and other accounts. But it was taking, I think what was fun for us was taking such an iconic piece of content, that being the Star Trek brain that is beloved by so many people. And if you screw that up, they will come at you with pitchforks and everything. <laughs> I mean, truly. I mean, think about any, yeah. like, really, any fandom in that level. Mm -hmm. People will be like, no, I can't believe you did that. And fans loved it. And that was, I think that was the highest compliment. It wasn't even the fact that we won an award for it or any awards for it or that the client liked it. It was the fact that the fans of the show were enjoying it and found it to be a fun thing. So, yeah, that, those are, but it took a trust level between us as, a, as an agency, CBS, our client, to be able to, to do something like that versus wow. just come in from cold and be like, we're going to do this do a couple finger guns, you know, like, come on, boys, let's make this sale, and then disappear into the background while another team executes that sale. Yeah. With that account and that project, you you were there the whole time, like you were saying, and you, you, you were working on everything. Correct, yeah, everything from uh, getting the creative brief from the client, doing, you know, going through and creating the pitch materials, you know, that we then went in to present to the client, to then, um, you know, at you know at that point I was not yet president, but definitely in a creative director role. Um, to the you know making sure that everything was being taken care of. It was a very graphic intensive piece, so working with our graphics designers to to make that work properly, uh, working with our editors to get the timing right and the music right and all of that, and then you know kind of having creating a kind of a production calendar of checkpoints so that our client would see. Here is essentially a radio cut as to what it's going to sound like before we start putting all the, you know, all the huge graphics in it. So because you don't want to waste your time with the graphics design process if they're not happy with the flow of something. Mm -hmm. um, to then, you know, getting into, okay, here's a, a rough edit. Here's a time, more timed out situation. And so that they feel that they're included along the way instead of just, okay, here it is. Hope you like it. Thanks. Um, and, and I think that kind of collaboration is, is hugely important in any field, especially when there's a, a contractor company situation, an agency client situation. I, you know, you're being hired from the outside to bring a fresh perspective to the table. You should also walk them through what it is that you're, is your vision, especially in the pitch, clearly, but then also how it is that it's coming along um, so they can feel included in that process. Well... I kind of want to take one step back here. Take it back. Because you, you were getting technical for one second, and I'm super interested to hear what you have to say on creating the pitch. Um, you know, I, there's, I think there's also a formula for that. Sure. And it sounds like, like you've got it down, especially with some of the projects you've taken on. Uh, well, so if you can kind of go... We'd like to think that we have it. No, listen, <laughs> we, you know, the pitch process is always interesting because... You have to know your client as much as you have to know the content. Mm. And I think that's hugely important. And if you don't take time to build the relationship and at least you know your client sensibilities, then it's not going to do you any good if to, you know, regardless of what you bring into the room. You could bring the most clever tagline into the room or campaign idea into the room, but if you haven't taken at least a little 
it doesn't matter if it's a long-term client or somebody you've only known for a couple weeks. If you haven't taken the time to really understand their sensibilities and how they think, you're going to be dead in the water. Like, and, and I think that's hugely, hugely important. Um, and so when it comes to, down to the pitch process, you're given a brief, you highlight the keywords that like, if the, if the same word keeps showing up in multiple paragraphs or multiple bullet points, clearly it's very important, right? Yeah. So if you don't kind of push that back to the client as to say, we noticed that you said X here, here is what satisfies that request, right? And kind of build that into your presentation that I think that's hugely key because, you know, it's not like drawing a picture and going up to your mom and saying, Hey mom, what do you think? Let's yes, let's put it on the refrigerator or yeah. no, this is not going on the refrigerator. <laughs> like there's, there's a, there's, right. <laughs> there's that, uh, you know, I always call it the intersection of art meets commerce, right? Where, you know, uh, and and, it, and that's a, an interesting thing to, to dig into, too, where you, you know, you want to make something because you want to make it, but it has to serve a purpose, right? And that's where the pitch process is really integral. So uh, I've got kind of a, might be a tough question, but ooh, was there, was there a project that either you won or that maybe you didn't quite get, but you felt like you nailed the pitch but and you were also going against a uh it was between you and another big agency or or, or another big person yeah i mean we've had that several times i think we've um we've had that on a few shows some of which i can say some of like which i can't <laughs> um i mean not 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 that i can't can't but i you know the pitch process is always a weird thing because you you tend in our industry even so in commercial advertising for like, you know, Coke, Pepsi, Toyota, in our industry for media brands, you tend to know who the players are and who you're pitching against, right? And you, in some instances, you develop a friendly competition, so to speak. Mm-hmm. In other instances, you're arch rivals. And yeah, there was a, um, there was a, a talk show a few years back that we were pitching for that I thought, man, we came in with, uh, we came in with fastball after fastball after fastball, but the other agency that ended up winning had a, a faster fastball and, yeah. and, you know, so to speak. And, and those, that's always a bitter pill to swallow, certainly. But, you know, when you can go back and kind of, kind of post-mortem it, so to speak, and say, okay, what do we do right and what do we do wrong? Especially then, when the actual campaign goes on air, mm-hmm. and you can kind of kind of cross check it against what you pitched, yeah, right. So let's say you lose the account, you know, you lose the pitch, you start to see the content on air that the other agency's been producing, and you're like, oh yeah, they actually did. They they uh, they came out they came at it from a different angle. They you know so to speak. So there there have been those instances. Um, certainly, uh, we just did a pitch this past spring for a show that, you know, was, that's now on air that we really went in, we went in guns blazing, but we went in on two levels. We went in with the creative, but we also went in on the establishing the trust of the client and, and those that we would be working with. And I think, you know, that's where that relationship building is, is very, very important for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because, you know, I, the ideas just don't fall out of the sky. You've got to, 
you can have the again if you had oh, I don't know give me a good tagline that's happening right now uh, oh boy uh, well Donald Trump what what comes up when you oh boy you want a tagline <laughs> no but I'm saying like oh make, like make America great again yeah 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 make that, America like, great again I mean I don't know the inception point of that tagline so to speak mm-hmm. but i mean even if you're looking at some like you, we call them ubiquity brands like coke or i'm loving it for mcdonald's right mm-hmm. like yeah you know that has its own psychology to it plus they added this you know musical element to it you know it, which was great but if the trust wasn't established between the agency and mcdonald's i'm loving it. if i can't if i walked into mcdonald's and said i'm loving it They'd look at me and be like, are you effing kidding me? So clearly the agency <laughs> in charge of that yeah. established a trust at a, and with, with McDonald's as the entity that they are to be able to say, listen, we do this, we package it with this, we do a tagline as such, we do a music thing like this, get it into the psyche, make it catchy. And I'm sure it evolved from the initial pitch, but kudos to that agency to be able to say, let's just strip it down to what it is. Mm-hmm. And let's make it easy to remember, catchy as hell, and and all of that. And it's how, why do you think it stood the test of time for the last over a decade? Yeah. You know, like it, when you really look at it. So uh, kudos to them. I know that's an amazing thing, and that's I think. Look, we could, you could do a whole episode on that agency and just how you know the breakdown of how to get a client to buy off on something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, well, just, just with talking with you, uh, not only in this conversation but in, in previous ones, it's. It, I, I think your your perspective is so awesome in in the sense that, even if if you lose or or if if you don't do as well somewhere, you really take the learning points from that experience, yeah. um, and that's that's something that that I think is great in business and life and and you know anywhere really. Um, I don't know. I, I would I would bet that that's ha- half the reason of, of where you are today. You know. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, and thank you for saying that. That and that does mean a lot because I, I do think that that is something that I myself, as a human, pride myself on, mm-hmm. and we as an agency pride ourselves on because I think that's no matter just in personal life, you you have to take the teachable moment and expand on it, right? And mm-hmm. and kind of break it down a little bit, whether that's. Uh, issues with parents or, you know, a relationship going well or failing or what have you, um, you know, uh, I think self-awareness is, is such a great quality for people to have. You have it in spades, which is amazing to uh, see, thanks. you know, truly. And, and, in, in having conversations with you, you have a level of self-awareness about your, about you as a person, but also like those that you surround yourself with. And I think that's I think that's really key mm-hmm. um, because those that constantly fall into a victim mentality or why does this keep happening to me? And it's like, well, what are you doing that's allowing this behavior to repeat, literally on repeat? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a common denominator. What is it that you're turning a blind eye to? What is it that you're looking away from, um, et cetera? So yeah, I think in in both business and and personal life, self-awareness is, is a huge thing. And also, you know, being confident about something about your own character. Not everybody's going to be super outgoing and be able to walk up to a complete stranger and start a conversation. You and I are wired that way, but 90% (laughs) of the country or world is not right. Yeah. But, but, but you can also tell like just when someone's walking down the street, 
that there's confidence in their being, right? And I think, I think that's key. Those, and, and even those that are going through a rough day or a bad day, and we all have issues. Look, I, I've wrestled with my fair share of highs and lows. We all do. And, you know, you can either kind of let it fester and be mad at the world, or you can use that as fuel and motivation to, you know, take yourself to the next level and grow even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, it's so true. Um, oh, man. There's another point where I'm like, okay, we're, do I want to ask a question here or ask a question here? You, but I think, I think where I want to I turn to really quick is... Take um, me on a turn. Uh, your love for aviation. Um, and this is, yeah. this is kind of a wild turn because this is something that, that really, if, if you're listening, this is something that I, I know about you. Um, yeah, yeah. And you as the listener, you might, you might, not, you might not know this, but... Um, my brother is a uh, Thunderbird in the U.S. Air Force, and um, he's the one who connected Joe and I. And yeah. in previous conversations with Joe, Joe just has this like super amazing passion for aviation, and uh, it's cool because I've learned a lot of a lot about aviation in, through our previous conversations uh, that and things that like my brother didn't even tell me. So, um, <laughs> it's really, it's really cool to see that. And I, and I want you to kind of talk about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it started at a young age where my grandfather was building model airplanes and we were flying them in our you know backyard of his house. He had a lovely, huge field in the middle of Pennsylvania where we would fly them. And I was always fascinated by the kind of physics of it and the make the mechanics of that. Um, and then when I got older and I'd get on a roller coaster and I'd kind of feel G-forces, you know, in some kind of way, I got excited about those things. And so engineering as a whole has kind of always been in this weird peripheral space for me that I've always been fascinated by. Um, and I think aviation just is that in so many levels in, in such a large scale, um, mm-hmm. whether it's in a fighter jet or a, or a passenger jet, you know, if it's one of these giant two-story Airbus situations or, you know, like your brother's flying an F-16. Like, how does it do the things that it does <laughs> and, why is that a, is, and why is that a thing? So I think, you know, people that have curious minds, I'm one, um, you know, just kind of start to roll up your sleeves and, and dig into those questions. Um, I'm also a fan of, like, Formula One and IndyCar racing because of, like, if you look at it, it's a fighter jet on wheels, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're, there's so much science to it and aerodynamics and... Um, how are you going to be a few seconds faster than the other guy based on, even though you have the same engine package or not, what's going into that tire compounds, the whole deal, not to get off into the racing world. Cause I can go off on that forever. Hey, we got time. Right. But all of that, you know, kind of coupled into, to this whole thing with, um, you know, with, with meeting Jason and, and the Thunderbirds is just such a, has been such a fascinating learning experience for me because I think, um, because what they do uh, is such a precise process, and it takes a very... So I'm fascinated by the aviation element of it. I'm also fascinated by the psychology of it, mm, because it takes yeah. a very specific mind to be able to do that. I don't have that mindset to be able to, com- to, to like repeatedly execute the same thing the same way time and time and time again. I am fascinated by those that can, and digging into that and the process as to how a whole air demonstration comes together, 
or even take the air demonstration away from it when they're showing, uh, you know, when the solo team is doing, you know, showing the maximum capabilities of the F-16. How does it turn on a dime like that, and how does the human body react to it? So when you look at, um, you know, when you look at uh, Kimmel and Curran and how they're doing that, like in the 5 and 6 jet, not to get all granular about the Thunderbirds, but like, that's some pretty crazy stuff. The the way that they're you know dealing with um, you know closing speeds and setting hack marks you know in the in the solo process and also in the in the demo to be able to hit the center point at show center and your brother's like standing right there during during his you know narration and all of the elements that go into that. Um, so as much as it's about aviation and flying and the physics of it and all of that kind of thing. It's how does a large scale process come together in such a precise way to do those things, right? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there's a lot of that. So, like, some people are fascinated by, I've got friends who are just will geek out in the best way about like flight paths for commercial airlines and timing schedules and timetables and, and the computer systems and air traffic controlling and all that stuff which is great. I don't go down that road as much as I'm like, how do you get six people to fly at that rate of speed mm -hmm. in that tight of a formation and precision and then also be able to break away and do all the other things and then having the fascinating conversations with like um, Bosch or Lieutenant Colonel uh, Caldwell about like the fact that they're trying to hit something happening at show center every 12 to 18 seconds. So it's a 45 minute dogfight that they're flying physically mm -hmm. for multiple reasons. Obviously it's, it's to recruit, retain and inspire future aviators and future air force, you know, members. Right. Yeah. But also for those that are just kind of looking at it as a spectator to keep it interesting and keep it like, there's just so much to it. Yeah. Fascinating. Sorry, I'm, I could go out. You want to do a whole episode on that? <laughs> <laughs> we might. I mean, we might need to. It's. I, it's. It is really, really amazing the way that that, uh, in particular, the Thunderbirds work their show. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm lucky to to have my brother uh, on on the team. You know, and kind of getting getting insider's perspective on it. Sure. And um, you've got most of that as well too. Oh yeah. Um, and and what really strikes me, like strikes you, is these these guys, the six the six F sixteens that are in the air during the that are in the air during the show, are literally like five feet apart from each other, going at speeds of like over six hundred miles an hour or something like that. Yeah, it's just the level of of focus uh, and efficiency that each pilot has to have. Um. It's it's crazy and to do that over and over and over and over again. Yeah, is 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 an amazing thing and and yeah. So yeah, in some formations they're five feet apart, in some formations they're thirty six inches, eighteen inches apart, depending on what that is. And it's 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 mind boggling, and and you know that's the reason I reached out to them to begin with to you know get down this road of of developing something with them as far as trying to tell their story again on a you know in a larger platform because what they're doing is so so fascinating. So. Um, yeah, it's been very exciting to, to be able to really get that. 
And, and by the way, I should, inside information is not the is not the right term because it's information that's out there. Yeah, it's a matter of curating it and getting it into like you know uh, uh, layman speak, so to speak, so that other people can really understand it. Because I think people watch it and they're fascinated by it. Um, you know, when they actually see the demo in person, and then others are like, "Wait, how does this all work?" And I'm I'm a how does this all work kind of person. I'm mm. the uh, like I'm a go to Disneyland and try to figure out how they created the forced perspective of a rock wall to like make it seem like it's 75 feet taller than it really should be, but yet it doesn't break the 200-foot mark so that there doesn't have to be an aircraft light on the top of it. Like, I, yeah, I go down those little rabbit holes. Yeah, that was, that was a big nerd-out moment. Yeah. I was like, wow. Wow, <laughs> that was awesome. a thing. That is awesome. Yeah, that was a thing, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, so the aviation thing has been ingrained since uh, at a young age. Uh, my my grandfather, you know, flew little Piper Cubs and delivered mail from one kind of army base to the next uh, for for a period of time. I think that's where his love of aviation was was there. Um, you know, it's it's not in my blood as much as it's in your brothers, right? You know, I mean, like he obviously, rightly so. I mean, he's doing this this great thing. Yeah. Um, and what's been really interesting is kind of seeing how you're both passionate about what's fascinating about the two of you. And oh boy. So I'm going to talk about it. Oh boy. Here we go. Is that you are equally as passionate, but about separate topics, right? Yeah. Like, and, and your drive to dig in and discover those things and, un, and unpack those things and, and educate others about those things is so much the same. So now I'm going to turn the question over to you. Where does that come from in the Markson family? Oh, boy. Oh, I just put you on the hot seat. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's our... I think it's our... Uh, it probably comes from our parents, really. Um, our, we grew up in Arizona... Mm-hmm. And my parents are not from there. They're from Detroit. And what they tell me is that they moved from Michigan because it was just so damn cold. And my dad was tired of shoveling snow. I, which listen, I can makes agree. sense. Makes you sense. Know? Have you been in Michigan during the middle of winter? Not during the middle of winter, uh, but... It's pretty much yeah. horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, side Sorry, note, Michigan. Side note, me growing up, you know, grew up in Arizona, and it's hot, Tucson, Arizona in particular, it's hot where I come from, and, um, you know, I got really acclimated to, like, being in 100-degree weather, to where, like, that doesn't affect me, but uh, not now, because I've worked on it, but there were times where, like, when it was 60 degrees out, I needed a parka, because it just <laughs> felt so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, now I feel just, like... I was, I was so stupid <laughs> for needing that, but you know, it's just what I was used to. So, of course. um, you take that mindset, uh, mix and, and see what my dad's saying about, you know, shoveling snow and being in the cold. It's like, yeah, Oh, I get that 100%. Um, I've never had to shovel snow ever, so I can't really speak on that. But where I was going with this is, um, my parents were always really cool about, letting us try everything great they were they were very supportive mm -hmm. um they didn't my my dad really pushed me to play sports and play baseball and actually you know i that's a big part of my life mm -hmm. 
Uh, but if I ever wanted to really like do anything else or like try and do something else, he, ne- he ne- didn't necessarily say no. Um, so that was, that might be like a, a good, a good place to look at as to like where it comes from. Um, also, uh, when we were younger, uh, we had, we had family spread out, right? So I had, I had family on the East coast. I had family in the Midwest and this might sound just ordinary. I don't know, but, um, we would always go visit family. So, uh, I, I got to see, I got to see other places. Like I got to see Kansas city. Ironically, I've, I've got, I've been, I was in Miami, you know, multiple times when I was younger and I got to see these other places and I was always, (laughs) this stands out in my mind, like, like it was yesterday. I remember flying into the East coast and seeing green grass everywhere. That is not a thing in Arizona. (laughs) It's not a thing. And I'm like, holy shit, things are different outside of Arizona. And I'm like, I'm in a trans with it. I, I'm fascinated by it. This is so fucking cool. I wonder what else is out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for me, it's always, it's always been like, okay, there is more. There's, there's so much more sure. uh, that's out there. there. There's so many more possibilities and opportunities, and I am like a fucking five-year-old kid just like super excited about it and yeah. trying to find it. Um, so that's, that may be kind of like a, a wild tangent, no, it's not a wild tangent right. at all. I think that's a, I, I, but it makes sense. I mean, you know, I think, um, so I always like to live life with a little bit of wonder, right? So like, if mm-hmm. you just think that you have everything nailed and that you know it all and you're just trying to like work through a system or like just best a system or game a system all the time, like you're just going to get jaded after a while, right? Versus having a natural sense of curiosity and wonder about the things around you that make you want to then lean in and be passionate about it. So like, yeah, no, that that's great, and the, the fact that your parents have supported that through whether it's through sports or aviation or any of the things that like have come out of your you know your 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 heritage that's that's tremendous. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think another cool thing too is that um, at least with my parents, whether they wanted to or or didn't want to, is we've always we've always been able to talk. Yeah, and whether those are us like screaming at each other, which has happened. Every um, family does it. Um, or not. We, we've always been able to at least communicate. Yep. And uh, I just think that has, that opened up um, opportunities and possibilities for us as well. I was like able to express what I want or my feelings. And it, even like my dad and, and my mom will, will tell you that. Um, I had a big mouth when I was younger, <laughs> uh, even, even maybe even bigger than I do now, I, even though I still kind of like just say what I want, but, oh boy, I got in trouble for talking back all the time. But, um, you know, my, my parents didn't necessarily discourage it. They were like, you know, you have, you say what you want to say. And a lot of times when you say what you want to say, just be ready for others to say what they want to say. Oh, right, right. So that was a... That was oh, that's like a great a lesson. lesson. No, that's good. That's yeah. No, that's... Uh, that, you know, well, look, that's fantastic because look now look, now you're hosting a podcast mm-hmm. and you're saying what you want to say and you're digging into the, you know, the meat and potatoes of how other people think. 
Um, so clearly you've, you've honored that part of your life. 100%. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, I think those are places to start looking into answering that question. Well, but those are great fundamental foundation questions. Yeah. We don't have to go into a whole life story (laughs) by any means. All right. All right. Back to you as host. Sorry. I turned the question on you. No, this is what I want. (laughs) This is the whole reason for, for having the podcast because I love, I love having these conversations with brilliant minds like yourself and, you know, I don't want to ask all the questions. I want them to be fired back at me because yeah, yeah. selfishly, you know, I want to be working on, on my shit as well and, and, yeah. and trying to answer uh, questions that are in relation to the perspective of you. Right. I think that's, that's the coolest thing about this. Um, so, yeah, please, if you have questions, throw them out. I'm going to throw them Because I'm going to throw them at you. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, there's... There's something you said earlier in our conversation. Another thing I know about you that uh, the audience might not, but um, I know you have like this super deep passion for music. Yeah. So um, that has probably come up and um, you've probably been able to work with that in some of your projects, but Mm -hmm. I know recently like you've been making music and... yeah. you know, it's that that's just a big part of you that we haven't talked about yet. And I, w- I really want to get into that. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, look, I, you know, music is a very music is a very important thing to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, and, and whether we're listeners or creators or, or any of it, I think music's one of those kind of like unifying principles that, you know, uh, regardless of what genre you like, like it's going to move you no matter what. Right. So like um, there are people that are into this genre, that genre, or whatever, and 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 that's great, and I think that's imp- that's such an important thing. Music was really for me a therapy as a child because I didn't have the. So my parents divorced when I was young. I grew up kind of bouncing between households a little bit, um, which is just by way of a divorce as at at, at two, um, and so I really learned to lean on music as its own kind of form of therapy, and and what I mean by that is like it was kind of my way of expressing myself without saying anything. And so I took like just a brief amount of piano lessons and I would be frustrated because in my head I would hear the actual full like orchestra playing, but I couldn't, but I'm like trying to play Mary had a little lamb in a piano lesson. It just drove me crazy. I I was like, (laughs) ah, I can't. So, um, so I just kind of kept going down the play by ear route. And I think what that really allowed me to do is kind of bring the, the emotion to the creation and the emotion to like writing or playing um, versus just the recite the dots back from the page, um, which, by the way, no dig on those that are really great at that because there's people that I've listened to and I'm like, damn, like, you know, so there, there, there's, again, a unifying principle, right? There's, there's people that are great in all, in all levels of that. Um, but yeah, music has always been a, a really big thing for me. And so what I would, what I would do is I would just kind of sit at the piano and I would write my own little songs, like just kind of make stuff up. And if I was in a angry mood, it'd be like dark and moody stuff. If I was in a happy mood, it would be in, you know, kind of a happier tone. But that was my way of kind of legitimately expressing myself without having to say anything and without having anybody judge me for what I was expressing mm-hmm. because... I wasn't putting words on the table for somebody to say something back to. Mm-hmm. I was just putting sound out, right, yeah. in, a, in a musical way. 
fascinating. And um, and so that was kind of how I coped with a lot of um, you know ups and downs in life as a, as a youngster. And it just always was ingrained in me. And I actually, I went to college, I started in college to be a music teacher. I shifted that major into broadcasting and television because I didn't, because what was happening was, as I was learning more and more about, like, the granular elements of music, it was kind of pulling the joy out of the creative process. It was like, it was starting to become work. Mm. And not work like in a, look, we all have jobs and jobs, like work is work. But it was taking the love out of it. And so I needed to really honor that kind of halfway through my college career um, and made that switch. And it really wasn't until a, a few years ago. And I've always been kind of writing and composing and fascinated by like orchestral film scores or like how music fits a mood and, you know, when it's put up against image, you know, for a soundtrack or what have you. Um, and it wasn't until a few years ago with the encouragement of one of my uh, dear friends, and he's one of our audio engineers, Don, um, who said, why don't you just start writing again and just get into that and do it? And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm being stupid. Like, I should get into that process. And so, yeah, that he really kind of gave me a little friendly kick in the ass to, you know, start digging back into that kind of thing. And, yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. It's been great. It's been, and so it's allowed me to write pieces of music that have ended up in... Um, TV shows, none of which I were associated with that I've just kind of submitted through music libraries, um, do some songwriting with some really talented individuals here in L.A., mm -hmm. meet with publishers, um, uh, wrote a song for a, a, an ad campaign for Rachel Ray with, a, with oh, an indie cool. band that I found, um, and, you know, be able to do those types of things, which has been great. And so it's just been an evolutionary process, and, but it's, again, honoring that process and I keep saying honoring, but like owning it, keeping the ball moving forward. You know, I, and, and I think I'm in a very fortunate space in that I have my fun creative day gig and I have my fun creative side hustle, right? So yeah. like and being able to do both has been really quite good. So because I'm, I'm, I'm nerding out with, with mindset and thinking, yeah. can you share a little bit on how you go about the process of creating music versus... The, the process of creating business. Sure. Um, so the process of creating music, I mean, I, I, I write different styles of music, at, it, and it really kind of depends on what mood I'm in as to what I'm going to sit down and write, right? Like, So mm -hmm. I'm not going to... If it's been a frustrating week, I'm not going to sit down and write a um, cake by the ocean, necessarily, <laughs> okay. right? Um, as much as cake by the ocean would be amazing. Uh, so... It really depends. Sometimes I'll come up with a lyric idea or a title mm -hmm. or a hook or what have you. And I think that comes by way of all the writing that I do in advertising and copywriting, right? And mm -hmm. so I've learned over the years as to how to create a message in a succinct amount of time. Um, and so there's times that there's something thematic that, you know, might play out. Um, and kind of harnessing that. Sometimes there's something that's unfolding in pop culture that you kind of want to harness, mm -hmm. you know? Um, like, I'm still kicking myself in the ass for not, like, doing a dubstep remix of a song like that just has, like, Ain't No Laws When You're Drinking Claws and just having that be the club banger through Vegas, like, for the whole summer. Because how much royalty money would myself and anyone else that wrote that be, like, collecting? Oh, my gosh. Like, literally. Yeah. Like, they'd be passing that around, like, gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But again, that was a kind of a blip on the radar. Like, hopefully the White Claw thing kind of dies out. <laughs> well, I don't know. Are I don't you know. drinking the White Claws? I've had a couple of White Claws before. I really have. And hey, listen, they're not even a sponsor on the podcast, but listen, if you're by the beach and you're that watching Sunset... That is true. Dude, white Claws are great. You're not, you're not wrong in that project. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's really... And then sometimes like I'll come up with an idea and, I have to, and I've got to separate it out in two ways. Mm-hmm. Is this viable as an actual like song that I need to like bring start to finish, or is this like a random happenstance idea in my brain that I just need to kind of just play around with just to like laugh at myself a little bit and just kind of get it out of my system, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like when somebody drops a, a line and you want to say that's what she said. If you don't say that's what she said, right? Even in that moment, like it's just gonna stick in the back of your brain. Like <laughs> I just want to say it. I want to say it. I want to say it. I want to say it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you just kind of like have to just riff with the idea. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, right? Like yeah, riff with the idea. Doesn't necessarily have to go anywhere, but you've done something with it. But then there's uh, I wrote a, a lovely, lovely song uh, with um, Ali Gabriel, Effie Passero, both just very talented musicians called "Lay Your Hands on Me," which is like. That is a very meaningful tune about like the longing for like a lover's touch. You're not like that's not a fuck around like, like frat boys kind of a tune. Yeah. Right. That's a you know you really want to dig into the psyche of that and 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 do that. And so we've you know we put that song together and we've been you know kind of pushing it out to publishers and managers of artists and it's getting you know very positive response, which is great. That's so um, cool. And so hopefully, you know, within the next, uh, you know, couple months, you know, you'll be hearing it somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. Um, but, because, you know, but you have to be able to, you have to be your own critic and be willing to say, I'm doing this for fun or I'm doing it for the purpose of growth and business or like I want to sell it or, all right, I got that out of my brain, moving on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the business sense, like you were saying, not to, I know you were, but like right. in the business sense, I think that's what you have to do as well. There's times that I'll, an idea will pop into my mind and I'm like, oh, that could be really cool. And I'll kind of like, I need to kind of go down the rabbit hole for an hour with it of just mm-hmm. like, what if, what if, what if, what if? And then I'll like bounce it off, you know, some of my coworkers or other people and they're like, eh. and then it's like, and then by the way, don't always take somebody's eh as don't do it. Mm-hmm. But then it, at least, take it for what it is, cross-check yourself a little bit and be like, do I want to push that forward or does that just kind of need to sit on the back burner for a minute? Yeah. You know, what have you. And I think that's what, where the decision-making process is really key. What are you going to invest your time into? I'm one that wants to invest my time into things that I'm passionate about. You are as well. Um, and I think that's where then the win happens later down the line where like people see how passionate you are about something, whether it's a song, a business idea, a podcast idea, a topic that you want to cover on your podcast. And then that's when you're going to get the bigger win versus just like, I just want to throw something in the marketplace and see what works. Mm. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to first acknowledge and applaud you for, for two things really. Um, you you've given yourself um, the ability to to have this creative process by by being around others, yeah, who allow you to do that as well. That is not always the case, especially in the professional world. Sure, um, for a lot of people. So I I think that is so cool. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, it, it really is. And then the the other thing too is your job doesn't necessarily allow you to to play music and to create music. Yeah, yeah. But you still do it. You still you still do what you're you know, quote unquote, passionate about, yeah, or or you know, do something that you love, mm-hmm. which, in my opinion, uh, there's a lot of people out there who are always saying, you know, I'm just trying to do something I'm passionate about. I'm just trying to do something that I love. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm sure it's not always that you love taking a, a proposal and, and trying to create the sales pitch as much as you love music. But you still play music when, you know, when you're not working. For sure. And, you know, uh, you, you've taken that to the next step. Uh, and it's taken a few years, right? It's taken, of course. It's, it's taken some time to, like, to start creating music and, and, you know, having that in TV shows or movies. Um, so I, I just want to acknowledge that you're you're still doing something that you love and you're still doing something that you, you're passionate about, even though it's not your job. Well, thank you. No, and I appreciate that. That's, that's huge. Uh, and by the way, same, like mm-hmm. this is not your day job, but you're passionate about it. You find your way yourself, like you surround yourself with those that you want to talk to and that can, you know, kind of help guide or that you're inspired by, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, in the fight world or in the podcast world or the creative world or now, you know, the things that you're doing for, for like character development and like growth in, in that world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think because if it's important to you, you can either let it nag at you, at your soul, like while you're sitting at, on the couch watching Netflix mindlessly, mm-hmm. or you can just pause Netflix, get up, walk across the room and at least put something in motion. In yeah. motion, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, I, I think that's where, and that took a while for me to really figure out. It really did. I, it took me years to figure out how to start piecing that together. And, um, but it's not impossible, but you have to figure out what's going to work for you. Even if it's 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, and you're really carving out that time or 30 minutes on a weekend, like not, every, I get it. People have, you know, spouses and kids and responsibilities and everything else. But if you can carve out that couple minutes to really feel like, okay, I just want to get this out of my head and on paper or, you know, pick up the guitar or, you know, go, you know, create a clothing line. I mean, you know, it, it's all possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, not to be a evangelist for uh, who's now a client, which I'm so fortunate about uh, and excited about, but, I, years ago, I was, well, I'm not a big self-help book person, or I wasn't several years ago. I was kind of like in this place where I was like, I don't know where my life is going. I don't know what's happening. Um, I was walking through the self-help section of Barnes and Noble, like mm-hmm. just kind of looking at titles and like, I was like, I don't need like, hoorah, you're great stuff. Like that just doesn't work for me. Right. What have you. And I saw the title of a book. The book's called Stop Saying You're Fine by Mel Robbins. Um, and for whatever reason, that title just hit me like in the gut. And when I read the back of the book and it was like, you know, really talking about how if I ask 90% of the time, if you ask somebody how their day is, they'll say, oh, it's, I'm fine. I'm good. You know? And it's like, but are you though? Like, or could you like maybe acknowledge the moment that you're in, in a positive or negative way? 
Yeah. And, you know, or the, the, all the factors that had to come together for you to be standing here right now, you know, and, and kind of honor that. And so when I really dug into that, that was really, it was an eye opener for me for sure. Um, and then in a section of that book, she kind of breaks down this five second rule, which she then evolved into an, another book and publication where your brain wants to get you back into homeostasis within the space of five seconds. So you could be sitting on the couch and you want to be a baker and you're like, I'm going to open a bake shop because something like you see on TV inspires you. But within five seconds, your, your brain starts to go, well, I don't know. You don't know how to run a business. And do you really want to quit the job at the firm to be able to like go be a baker? And it's like, well, you don't have to go from sitting on the couch to you know, signing a lease within 20 minutes. There are inter, you know, there's incremental steps that can at least get you down that path. Mm-hmm. And so that was such a clarifying moment for me to be able to kind of like look at it in those terms. I like, listen, I'm not going to go from sitting on my couch to scoring a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. I may never score a Marvel film, but I can go from sitting on my couch to making steps to get there and kind of educate, even if it's spending 10 minutes on your lunch break looking at YouTube videos as yeah. how-tos. There's always information out there to be gathered, and there's always a, a way forward. And I think those that... Um, you know, I think it's fascinating when people do it. I always find it fascinating when people kind of timidly come to me and say, oh, I've been trying to do this thing. It's like, well, no, just do that thing. <laughs> like, do it. Like, yeah. you know, do it to whatever level you feel is what you need to do. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to, like, you know, quit the job, walk out the door, have your Jerry Maguire moment and be like, who's coming with me? And then go start a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Or you could just be like, hey, I made that really cool thing and posted it online and that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to plug one of my buddies. Uh, uh, his name's Dan Ram, Daniel Ramamuthi, and he's a, he's a public speaker, mostly in Europe. Yeah, yeah. And he's got this, this great, you want to talk about taglines. He's got a great tagline. It's called, it's start now, start simple. Exactly. Just start now, start simple. Right, that's so good. Yeah, you just, uh, like, like you said, stop talking about it. Just, just do it. Just, just do it. You want to start a podcast? Well, I'll tell you how, how I started it. I googled it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I just right. googled it, uh, and and the motivation to to help me like really push it forward. I was with some of my best friends in Europe, and we were sitting at a table, and I was just like, "Guys, I'm gonna start a podcast." Um, I feel like I have these conversations with people, and you know, they're they're profound in my opinion, and I think there's a lot of great information that at, at least I pick up that I think would be great for others. And they looked me dead in the eye, and they're like. Seth, we are just kind of like boggled that you haven't started it yet. Like exactly. Like get get to business, man. Yeah. I was like, oh, all right. Well, okay. <laughs> I'll start a podcast. Yeah. Well, you do such a good job of of digging into people's process, but you also dig into people's psyche, and you also dig into people's motivation. And I'm not just saying this because you're interviewing me in this moment, but like every conversation that we've had has been layered beyond what did you have for lunch today mm-hmm. right and i and, and you've you've never fallen short of wanting to kind of peel back layers of someone's you know world which is great and so people like you make great hosts and great interviewers and and do that in such a great way and so kudos to you for taking the time to have the epiphany and kudos to your friends for saying 
well, duh. And like kind of, you know, helping, you know, be the catalyst to, yeah. to that, that motion. But then what got you then to, so you came back from this trip and then you Googled it. Yeah. And then you said what? Well, so I'm a big believer in using your resources. And I'm also a big believer in people want to help people. So um, I just, I started looking into it and my friends who were good with, with audio, you know, I called them and said, hey, how do I start a podcast with, you know, some type of app. And I had to look up the apps. There's Audacity and there's GarageBand. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also Adobe Premiere and there's way more. But um, my friends who I reached out to, they're just like, oh, use GarageBand and play around with it a little bit. Okay, I'll do that. All right, so once I figure out GarageBand, how do I I use the mic? What do I even use to, like, what do I plug into the mic? Or do I plug the mic in? And they're like, oh, well, you need... You need a sound synthesizer or a soundboard, and you have XLR cables or uh, another kind, uh, and these are the difference. But you know, I'd recommend getting these. And uh, I was like, okay, so I'll just do that. And then next thing I know, I've got the process, or I've got at least the the tools to build it. Then it's like, okay, technically, how do I start one? And I Googled how to start a podcast mm-hmm. and there's tons of great information on there that, that I found. And, um, it sounds extremely technical. It, it really does, but it's not that technical. Really. You just need a hosting site. First of all, the word hosting site, like crushed me when I first heard about it. I was like, Oh my <laughs> God, a hosting site. What the hell does that mean? Right, right. And all it is, is a site where your RSS feed lives and your RSS feed is literally your, think about it as a URL that gets put on all of the, all of the places where your podcast is going to play, like a Spotify, yep. uh, iHeartRadio, um, iTunes, or any of those places. That's the RSS feed. And it's just a URL, and it shoots it out to those. And that's, that's all you need. Right. And then you have your podcast. So... Um, you know, in a, in a very, very short kind of way of explaining that, that's how this was built. I love it. Essentially. And now look at you. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And I get to have these really great conversations, you know, with you and, and others who, in my opinion, I think are just extraordinary people. So, yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you for having me. This has been fantastic. Now who's, okay, question. Yeah. Your like top two like oh my god I wish I could interview these people. Top two oh geez. Um, How about one for personal and one for business? Okay, uh, that's a really good one. Um, I don't know if I'd put him in personal or business, but I would. I would love. Ooh, okay, two guys. I would love to talk to Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. I think that guy is just a machine and you just in, an amazing brain. I don't know how he does what he does. Yeah. Um, I went to one of his events and I was super skeptical about it when I first went. But when I left, I was like so fired up. I actually got a lot done that I needed to. That's and then, amazing. And then just like watching him work with other people at his event, just, you know, just doing things like, uh, man, uh, what is it? Having interventions, having little, literally like interventions and in changing people's lives oh, yeah. on the spot.
spot. Yeah, he's he, he <laughs> like he, what? He will dissect it in two seconds. Yeah, it's crazy. It's literally it's like magical. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I would love to just talk to him. And then another guy that uh, I I already kind of brought him up um, is is Tom Billu. Tom Billu uh, created Quest Bar, yeah. and Quest Bar is um, the first kind of like workout supplement or workout bar or, or food uh, food replacement bar or meal replacement bar. Sorry, that has zero zero sugar in it. Yep, and doesn't taste like shit, and is made ethically. And the reason he did that was because his family was, um, there were people in his family who were, um, who were affected by metabolic disease. So there are people close to me who are the same way. Mm -hmm. And it's been a big part of my life. Uh, I think one reason why I, I sincerely care about the underdog or sincerely care about, um, People who are, aren't um, as good-looking, per se, or don't have it all is because there, there, there are a few others who are close to me that I grew up with that were in the same position. And, you know, I always fought for them. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always. And uh, what he did, because he was... He, he lit- Tom Bilyeu literally said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I want to make a difference, and I'm going to create this. And he, he has this thing that... He has this motto... That is uh, always find a path to yes. Yeah. So he, there was no machine that could create his vision of the bar that he wanted to create. So he just made it. That's amazing. He found the people or the resources to like to to make it happen, and he did it. That's so, so cool. It's really fucking cool. Well, what's good to know, like, so <laughs> I, so I'm an avid quest consumer like i there eat a go. bar every morning that's my morning routine is a quest bar mm-hmm. um however now knowing that backstory which i was not aware of uh yeah that's amazing yeah and you know it's there there it's not just tom there there are so many people in this world who have stories like that who are like you know what i really want to do something and i want to i want to make this difference and i'm going to just i'm going to find a way to make it happen yeah so Man, it's so hard to just be like, you know, who are the two people? Because there are so many. Well, <laughs> so sure. Many no, I just was, I was just trying to give you like a, a <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, yeah, exactly. No, which is fantastic. No, I, look, and that's, it's good that you see the value in so many of those people, right? So mm-hmm. the fact that like, you know, one might have this story or another might have that story, but that's, no, that's tremendous. Yeah. Um, and I, I even want to throw like a third one in there. Throw four in there. I don't oh, care. I want to throw one in there that would your be podcast. like, it would be like, a ghost of because I, I recently went to Europe and I went to uh, to Germany, and I was very very um, lucky to visit uh, Dachau, where there was a concentration camp, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is still up. And learning, there there's so much information once you go to one of those things, that um, it's just. It's unbelievable to be able to believe what really happened. Yeah, yeah. It's literally devastating. And if I could talk to someone um, who who went through that and to be able to find the, the mental 
fortitude that that they had to have to mm-hmm. to get through something like that mm-hmm. and just just live through that and then hopefully live a happy life after that that would be someone i i would like to speak to because that's just it's crazy there what i saw there there they have these this one facility where there's structures where they're think about a prison right um they're literally like rooms that are maybe six by six mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. and they would throw uh you know, prisoners or, or people in there who, uh, they were, they had whatever reason they had to be in there and they did, there were no cots. There was literally a a toilet that had a seat and a flush. And other than that, it's concrete Mm. and that's it. But then to take it one step further, people who, uh, who really offended the Nazis or really the Nazis had a problem with, they put, they put in, um, these cells that were, uh, they, they built concrete walls in them to make them like literally like, I want to say like two feet by two feet, Oh, literally two feet by two feet. And they had them stand there for periods of, of like 72, uh, to like a hundred plus hours oh my God. just standing there. And this is this is Germany, and it's not like Germany has has the four seasons, right? Like in winter, that that gets cold. Could you imagine yeah, just legit. standing with like one garment on? Mm-mm. So, you know, to, to to talk to someone who who got through that, yeah. Oh man, that would be. There's so many questions that are like spinning in my head. Like how how do you do that? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. No, I agree. The mental fortitude, the just the keeping yourself motivated to get through the next minute, the next second, the next any of that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. tremendous. It's like at some point there's you you got to go past motivation. Yeah. You got to cuz yeah, that right. only goes for so long. Like Right. Whew. Yeah. yeah. So there that that's the third one. <laughs> no, and that by, by the way, huge. That's a huge one. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure because you know, um because so many lessons come out of that beyond just the other two that you mentioned who have built and established themselves into like large known brands or known people, right? Because Mm -hmm. it it takes all kinds of people to push to the next level or push through something and, and be able to, to do that. Not just from a level of achievement, that's a level of survival. It just literally, I need to get through my next moments. Yeah. Um, and be able to do it with, to just do it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that, I think that, that literal survival mentality is 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 just such a uh, a fascinating thing to to dig into like you're suggesting yeah yeah it's it's almost like a blessing and a curse it's like okay if you have it that's a blessing because like you can almost get through anything but then shit what are those things that you literally have to live through versus like living a another life correct know? like whew. yeah yeah there's also like I think a happy medium of the two, right? Yeah. Like, oh, totally. For sure, totally. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, re- really quick, what are who are some of your mentors, and or uh, what are what are some of your your books that you would recommend? Oh wow. Um, 
Yeah, mentors. Listen, I think mentors comes come in all forms, right? I think, and I think acknowledging them when they show up in your life is huge. And so I think I've had mentors that have had long-term meaningful relationship with me, and I've had long-term meaningful relationships with them, and I still continue to do so. Um, but also, you know, a mentor could ju just simply be someone who that you interact with for five seconds. And, and you can just see how they're dealing with a situation in their day, and you can learn from that moment. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's not the standard form of mentorship necessarily, but I think that's a, I think that's a huge thing. So just you know, kind of looking at, at those elements, uh, you know, um, one of the you know, first mentors that really you know, took an interest in my life was my middle school music teacher. Uh, she would write me passes so that I could come down and play the piano like during my lunch break because I didn't want to deal with all the other kids. Um, and so she really kind of, you know, took, kind of took me under her wing and would, you know, kind of expose me to different genres of music and, and this, that, and the other thing. But there was such a, um, she created a safe haven, uh, you know, for me in that area. And so for her to take that kind of time, um, uh, not, I mean, who was I to her? A student. I mean, but obviously, you know, the, there's a level of care between a, a teacher and a student. But just the fact that she would take that kind of time um, to, you know, during her planning period, say, yeah, come on in, just sit down and play, make stuff up. I don't give a shit. Like, just have fun, do it. Um, it was huge. Uh, my grandfather was a huge mentor on my mom's side and my dad's side. Both both my grandfathers were were huge mentors in just the way you watch them live and the way that they interacted with people. My grandfather on my mom's side, I think is where I really developed this kind of, he would crack a joke with anybody and he would ha kind of have this mischievous twinkle in his eye. And you know, he was a former Marine, hard ass, but like he would just, he just loved finding the joy in a moment, right? Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you could watch him have that dichotomy, you know, was I think just so fascinating. Um, and I don't think I really, I think it was always, it, he was, you know, he always surrounded us with love and care and attention, uh, all his kids, his grandkids, et cetera. But it wasn't until I think when I was a little bit older and I could really see that, that kind of that character breakdown a little bit is where I was like, oh man, like this is where like, you know, he, he found it just as important to show us love as it was to make the cash, the cashier at a grocery store smile just in that moment you know, when you could tell that she was having a rough day. Mm -hmm. And so I think that kind of a thing is, is, is huge. Um, you know, in creativity, as far as like marketing, Stu, my, you know, the guy who, uh, Stu Weiss, who brought me into, you know, to LA to do an internship, he, he and I have this crazy, you know, uh, we will fight like cats and dogs, but at the, but we also know that it's for the best of, of those around us and, and growth mm -hmm. um, and having those that you can just say that you can really essentially just call bullshit with both ways is, I think, a huge thing. And I don't think that's really looked at as much, you know, as, as far as a dynamic. Um, I had a guy, uh, you know, for a period of time that, that you know, I, I took this interest in learning card tricks, and he was like, "Well, I can teach you some," but he would also take the time to really just kind of listen and kind of like, you know, coach me through like, you know, kind of teenage high school, you know, craziness, right? And, yeah. and you know, kind of, this is what it's like to be an outsider, and it's okay to be an outsider. Mm -hmm. And I think being an outsider is a good thing, you know, because when you fall into any one column, is when 
you know, people just start to put classifications on you. I noticed, you know, when I was in high school, my, my friends, you know, I had a, a great group of friends across many, you know, different classes of high school, you know, the, 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 the jocks, the prep kids, the, you know, the drama nerds, whatever. I think what frustrated some of them is the fact that they couldn't put me in any one category. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to take that. And it wasn't until he said, no, 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 this is a good thing. Being an outsider is a good thing because you, you, you should have the freedom to be able to chart your own course and not let the, you know, the edicts of any one, you know, group, you know, be what you should you should be. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I think that was the the biggest lesson, you know, to really learn. Wow. That's fuck. That's cool. Yeah. What about you? Come on. You've got so many, I'm sure tons. Um, yeah. I mean, it, uh, you're right. A ton of mentors. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think there's mentors and then I think there's mentoring moments. Um, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Like, there are people who have been in my life extensively, then there are people who've been in my life for not as long, but some of those experiences that I had with them have, you know, lived in my life for, you know, an extended period of time. For sure. Um, so I, I talked about my parents a lot uh, earlier, and I will say that uh, one thing... This is this this a good learning mentoring moment for me was when my dad was teaching me baseball. He didn't he he said not that he said. Um he wanted me to have the mindset that you know if I'm hitting and the pitcher's out there f f the pitcher, you know, fuck the pitcher. F everyone on the other team, you know, and for the longest time, like, that was kind of my, my mindset. Like, I had this, like, weird kind of anger towards the opposing team, which yeah. was kind of unwarranted. Because what, what, I, what I learned later in life through um, this other guy, he, and I, I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. His name's Mike. But he was, uh, I was in business with him, and he said that, just be super nice to people because what you give them will come back to you tenfold. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh. And he was a good example of that because he, he did that and business was good for him. And I would kind of like follow him and, and watch him do that. And then I kind of started doing the same. And I was like, wait a second. Let me try that in sports. Still, I'm trying to beat you. Right. Every, everything that I'm doing and, and, you know, all of my bones are, hey, I'm going to beat you, but I don't have to hate you. Yeah, for sure. So this animosity that I had, you know, when I was on the field when I was younger was, uh, was taken off when I kind of had that aha moment. Like, yeah. huh. Okay. And. I don't have to like hate this person. I can just focus on what I have to do, which is like hit this person's fastball and not have to hate him for throwing a fastball. Right. Right. Exactly. So that was, that was a very, very like cool perspective where that I could explain where this guy 
he, he's a mentor, but he, I really just had like a mentor moment with him. Yeah. Um, another one is, um, uh, a teacher in, at Arizona state when I went there, his name's Dr. John Eaton, who is just like one of the coolest guys ever. Um, I ended up running this business association at Arizona State while I was there, and I had crazy ideas, like ideas that technically weren't uh, following the rules. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, it would have been very easy for, for uh, you know, the leader of the organization to say, no, that's breaking rules and we can't do that. Right, but right. as long as he, – he said this. He's like, you know, that's a very crazy idea, what you're trying to do. But if you can do it and you have a good reason for it, I'll allow it. And I had to explain my reasons. Like um, taking 24 different students to, to Portland, Oregon to go meet Nike, uh, Adidas, and like meeting the CEOs of these companies. Amazing. And it's, it's me and um, another, another buddy of mine who was in the organization calling these, these companies and like making it happen. So... Um, we, we did that, but there's a lot that goes into that, like, uh, that, that we didn't have, like, we didn't have like insurance to back up this trip. Right. We just kind of said, Hey, we're doing this. We have this all set up. Um, here's the amount of money and you know, here are the the tickets and it's going to be through, uh, you know, the SBA. So come on, come on with us. Right. We didn't necessarily like ask for, we told Dr. Eaton, but we didn't like ask like the school board to approve it. We're just like, uh, fuck it. We've got this amazing opportunity. We're yeah, going to yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, and we're, we're getting these kids who have an interest in sports and business in front of the CEOs of these companies and who knows like where those relationships can go. So we just did it. And it was like Dr. Eaton pushing and like, you know, not, not holding us back that I really appreciate. And I, yeah. I was like, man, that's. It's crazy that you let us do that. I can't believe it, but it all worked out. Now, this is like one of the best associ- this is like one of the best organizations at the school. There's now a very big sports program, sports business program Amazing. at Arizona State. So, um, yeah, it's really fucking cool. So, well, yeah, well, kudos to him for for acknowledging your passion and guiding it, right? Because I yeah. think too many times we run into people in life who want us to conform to their thought process mm-hmm. versus acknowledging the um, the kind of larger goal that somebody else is trying to acquire. I, you know, even in what we do in, in interacting with creative people, I'd rather have someone that has crazy ideas and all the energy in the world and try to figure out ways to kind of guide, guide it and harness it mm-hmm. then and kind of get them on the right path or just get them in a direction, you know, whether it's right or wrong, but like at least get a guide going, right? Mm-hmm. Versus dealing with those who you feel like you've got to like, come on, like where's the motivation? Where's the enthusiasm? And those people, like I, I, I just kind of check out within my brain because I don't write them off, but like... You know, and sometimes they kind of get their act together and kind of show up, and then you're like surprised, and you're like, "Oh, thank God!" I was like ready to like, "What are you like a paperweight? Like what's what's going on?" You know, um, so good that he didn't stifle you know your enthusiasm to try to get things done, which is great. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it really it really was great. It really was because like, 
that was the first year we were able to do anything like that. And now I'm telling you, like, you could look up this, you know, SBA at Arizona State, and it's fucking, like, huge now. That's awesome. Yeah. Kind of like me and my, my buddy Ben. His name's Ben Levy. I should definitely uh, put his name on here because he deserves a ton of credit. And I love him for, for you know, who he is and what he does. Um, yeah, we, like, we set the tone for That's cool, for this, man. So it's kind of cool. Um, and really I guess... Good. I, I should definitely bring up my brother because uh, the way that, that you were kind of talking, is it Tom? Tom that you work with? Um, the, uh, Stu. Stu, yes, yeah, sorry, sorry. So, no, all good. So my brother Jason and I, uh, we have that kind of relationship to where like we always bounce ideas off of each other mm-hmm. and we we've, you know, we grew up to it with each other and we always are, you know, People see him as this, uh, as the fighter pilot, which is really cool. I still see him as a fighter pilot, but I also see him as uh, my brother who I, I fought with and jumped on the trampoline with and, you yeah. know, like, uh, you know, who, who smacked me for, like, picking my nose when right. I was younger. I love it. So, yeah, but and, and nowadays, too, it's like even whenever I, I have some type of question or I'm, I'm trying to, to do something, I'll always kind of like call him and, and run it by him. And I feel like he always has awesome advice. So, um, definitely want to acknowledge Jason for that and, and, you know, just always being there for me. Yeah. And, then, well, and it's great that you have that. And especially that you can see both sides of it. Right. So my brother, uh, my youngest brother is the same. He and I are the same way. We used to fight like hell, but like, you know, but he's, uh, you know, now is doing amazing things, you know, uh, with, within, the, within the, the federal prison system as an investigator and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, but like is the most ethical, like mild-mannered, like he's not the kid that was having a meltdown in the corner at five years old. And frankly, I, because he's so passionate about like, ethics and ethos and all of this other stuff as well, especially then in what he's dealing with, you know, when it comes to, you know, the criminal justice system. Yeah. Um, he and I will get, have these deeply philosophical conversations about something as simple as moving from point A to point B or, you know, really digging into like, hey, that thing that happened when we were like six, what do you think the, 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 tra- the trajectory of that in our subconscious was for us to be like <laughs> where we are now? But like... And shaping in this, we were so it's always fun to to kind of dig into to those types of things with him. So that's great that you that you have that because like yeah, people from the outside see him as this stoic like tactical all the time person, and it's like mm-hmm. no, it's Matthew. He, I would beat the shit out of him, and he would kick me, and like whatever. But like you know, like it's just fun. Yeah, he's he is, and will always be. You know, my older brother who can't grow a beard. I will say that, and uh, you know. <laughs> He's lucky he's in the military because uh, he's got to shave. Sorry. Yeah. I'm laughing louder than I should. There, there, there's some insider information. Yeah. Sorry, Jason. But that's hilarious. Yeah, it's really funny. But, um, yeah, man, I, I mean, it's siblings. Siblings are great. And my, my sister as well, she's, she's absolutely amazing. And so, it's so funny. She's so much like, like me and Jason where... We're like, you know what? We're gonna go do our own thing. We're gonna get out of Arizona, and we're gonna, you know, take on the challenges that come with that. And we don't know what those are, but we're gonna do it. So yeah, yeah. She moved to Chicago, and she's making a life for herself as well. And you know, she's doing amazing things out there. So that's awesome. 
Yeah, it's, oh, man, it's cool. It's definitely cool. Well, I had the privilege of spending some time with your parents a few weekends ago at the Great Pacific Air Show, and they are lovely and loving and caring people, and, and they're, I can see how, um, you know, they have, have really invested their time in, you know, in your lives and now their grandchildren's lives, so it's, it's cool that to see... It's been cool for me to see an entire dynamic, you know, kind of come together in that way, which mm-hmm. has been which has been amazing. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Appreciate that for sure. And I think what's been interesting is like, you know, getting to know, uh, you know, your brother, you know, first, and then introducing to you, and then getting to know, you know, Corey a little bit, and then you know the kids and and all of that kind of like, and then seeing the whole picture kind of congeal, mm-hmm. so to speak, like in an, in an entire like lineage dynamic <laughs> right um and but none of it surprised me you know what i mean like none yeah. of it shocked me which was i think even more fun to to kind of fall into oh man it's so cool to hear seriously yeah it for really sure is. yeah and standing with your dad on at, at the show center and taking photos of the jets and then here he and i are like trying to time out like when the sneak pass is coming so that we can take photos of the people like reacting to it you know mm-hmm. and he he just had this childlike enthusiasm and wonderment about like oh how can we get the best photo of these people freaking (laughs) out and so that just is a testament to then you know the curiosity that you all have you know learned and the 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 amount of time and attention that your you know your mom you know gives to the the grandkids and you know trying to make you know people's lives easier because it's not easy you know as 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 you know your brother's gone all the time for, you know, Corey to be trying to raise mm-hmm. two small kids and the fact the way that everyone just, like, it just felt like everyone just bands together in an instant and just does what needs to be done in the moment. And that's just such a cool oh, totally. thing to witness, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, tell you what, if you can, uh, if you can withstand, you know, being around multiple uh, Mark Zons at, <laughs> at a time, it says a lot about you as well. Game on, so, I'm yeah. in. Yeah, you know, talking about that that survivor mentality. No, no, no survival need. No survival need. It was fantastic. Um, I I also wanna I wanna touch on this. What what are your favorite books that you like? Oh yeah, books. So, um, uh, stop saying you're fine. Like I like I said, I buy that book for if I know somebody is going through like a, a rough patch or like like at a turning point, I will. Like I'll just throw down the, the fifteen dollars to get the paperback and call it a day. Like here, mm-hmm. read this own it it's cool um so that one um uh everything is effed and stop saying uh everything is effed was a good one and the secret the subtle art of not giving an f both good Mm -hmm. um obviously catchy titles that you know that really did dig into um dig into that i listen to a lot of um podcasts about different topics um i think bruce van horn is a great person to kind of listen to just like when you're feeling like life's getting a little rough and you like you just kind of need that kind of pick me up from someone who you don't even know that's you know really kind of putting it in and he's had such a dynamic and amazing life um with its with its highs and lows um and so yeah i mean uh but then also i think sometimes i just want to dig into fiction and just like read some michael connelly detective stuff and kind of swing over into other topics um I love getting lost in, in, in varying, you know, TV shows. I think, you know, the, the self-betterment, um, 
market, so to speak, when, with all the books and everything else, like you can really, when you first start to peel back the layers of that and you really want to immerse yourself, you can overwhelm yourself very quickly. Mm-hmm. You can, you'll go to the, the Barnes and Noble or you go on Amazon and you'll, or, or download the digital versions of it and you'll buy like a hundred of them because like, you're like, oh, I need to read this and I need to read this and I need to get this one and I need to get that one. Um, but you know, when you can kind of like, and then you have like the stack of books and then you're like, well, I've, re- I've bought all these books on productivity and I'm not being productive in reading any <laughs> of it. Right. And yeah. so you kind of balancing that out. Uh, another one, uh, a friend of mine bought me that I now recommend to everyone is called shifting the monkey, which is about like how to deal with um, people who want to like consistently bring issues to your feet. Right. And then like they almost put it in your lap to solve them. And kind of the strategy as to like how to spin it back on them to like create an action plan for their own lives to oh, be cool. like, whether that's a friend or an employee or a coworker or a boss, like, you know, I, I think those that are empathetic and curious and want to know a lot about people tend to also suffer this fate of like people want to come in and just kind of dump their problem on you and you now need to help them figure it out and kind of how to like draw that not draw that barrier, but how you can kind of protect yourself a little bit and kind of be like, okay, well then what do you think about, what solutions do you have to this? Mm-hmm. Right. And kind of asking them pointed questions so that they're like, Oh, I haven't thought about this at all. I just was venting. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of be like, well, why don't you go off in your corner and come back to me? Like when you thought of a couple key bullet points as to what your solution <laughs> might be. Right. You know, uh, et cetera. So I think those are all, those are all good ones. Uh, the no asshole rule is a good one. That's also one that's that's worth taking a look at for me, yeah. for sure. But yeah, I think you know there's been this trend in the uh, in in the let's call them self awareness books, so to speak, where it's like the catchy title and the you know the very pointed dialogue. I think that works. Mm-hmm. That works best for me, frankly, because I'd rather that than you know digging into like deeply esoteric things. Um, I think. I come from a place of like, what is actionable? Like, how can I apply this, you know, and kind of going at it a chapter at a time mm-hmm. and, and just kind of applying it. Um, yeah. Well, what about you? What are the ones that you're digging into? Like, cause I mean, every, I, I know you're very passionate about this topic. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think the time paradox is a really good one. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah. Phillips and Bardo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the, if not, I, he still might be, but um, the head of the psychology department at Stanford. Yep. Just really cool book on perspective and time. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I didn't look at, at time as like a commodity uh, yeah. until I read that book. That's really nice. Um, what else do I like? I just read one called The Talent Code, and that is all about how talent is is grown and it's not formed and it goes into literally the science behind that and the cellular level of, oh, wow. That's of amazing. how uh, these skills are developed and where they come from. Mm-hmm. And uh, that it talks about talent and it also talks about coaching as well. That one I highly, highly recommend. It's so cool. And it's Love an it. easy read too. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there was one I was just thinking about. Oh, um, high perform or. High Performance Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way by Brendan Bouchard is just like a, a really great tool, tools book. Like, not read it if you're a tool, but, <laughs> you know, 
there's there's so many great tools in that book that I use even today. And he he explains this this one that um, that I think all people need to realize is that um, if you're great at something or if you're good at something, that's a learned skill. Mm-hmm. It's it's not because you just woke up and you're like that. So don't piss on the people who aren't that way because. Correct. All it takes is that is, is a you know as many hours or you know uh, time and focus to do what you did to get there. So right. just know that. Know that uh, whatever you want to do, you can do it. It's just going to take time and practice. Yeah, and that's how that's how it works. Um, but I would say, yeah, those are those are the three that came to mind. But um, there are so many there are so many books I you know, I could talk about. For sure. Well, that notion that you just highlighted, I think is is a key one, right? I think we all, you know, need to remember that on, on any scale. Right. I think, um, I think we kind of walk through life. Sometimes people walk through life and and you're kind of looking at varying people in different areas and arenas and all of that stuff. And we just have to remember that, you know, people are, good in some areas and not others you're good in some areas and not others and and those that have taken the time to really cultivate that and push it you know to the next level is is fantastic but then there's also people that are like just so uniquely talented in other ways that Mm -hmm. you know uh you know that you can really learn something from anybody at any stage at any point and being open to that and i think that's so key um, because the moment you, th- again, the moment you think you know everything and that you're the expert on all of it is the moment you you might as well just stop. You might as well just sit yeah. down and just, just, all right, done. And just sit in a black hole because you, you, what else is there for you to learn if you already think that you know everything? Yep. 100%. Um, you know, so I think that's, I think that's, that's super important. And it's, and I think that's, what's also been fascinating, um, you know, just in, in in this arena of creativity and marketing and show development and writing and whatever is that it, it, it allows me the opportunity and even you like in doing a podcast, it allows you the opportunity to learn other things from other people's perspective. I, I, I can't tell you how to fly an F-16. I wouldn't even begin to try to tell you how to fly an F-16, but to then talk to those who do it and learn the why that they do it and the how that they do it and the reasonings that they've, you know, done it. Um, you know, and I'm bringing that up obviously because of the commonality of, of, of knowing, you know, Jason, but then also mm-hmm. like looking at, you know, how Jess, like I was ta- talking about before, she built her thing with the motorcycle situation or any of it. Like you, you just want to sit down and you want to know because you want to, you, if you see that somebody's highly passionate about something, it makes you want to lean in and, learn about it even if it's not a topic that you're even interested in like mm-hmm. you can kind of just feel that coming from them and you're like yeah okay now i do want to know more about it because <laughs> if you're that fired up about it then i want to at least understand it mm-hmm. i think it also goes is key in in like relationships and, and friendships and like i don't know anything about macrame but if you're that fired up about macrame <laughs> i'm gonna ask you questions about it correct me if i'm wrong about any of the questions that i'm asking but like you're that fired up about it. Great. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I, I think there's a, a key point in there as well. It's like energy and emotion is contagious. Yeah. You know, uh, if you're like, kind of like a point that we were talking about earlier is um, 
if you're always upset or if you're always blaming the world on 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 everything you need to take a look at yourself yeah but then you know if you're mostly like a happy outgoing person you're putting that positive energy it will come back to you yeah i think it really will um not to say like put on a fake smile and always be like super super happy but um you know if you've done that that work on the inside well it's that it's that self-awareness factor that we were talking about earlier and i think that's and that is really a huge thing and that is yeah because look i'm not happy every day I'm not. Like, yeah, there's days same. I wake up, I'm exhausted, I'm frustrated, I get hangry. Any of my friends will tell you that I get very hangry. Like, I go from zero to I will murder a small individual if I don't get <laughs> at least a cheeseburger or a chicken nugget. Like, so, but, um, you know, just being able to, yeah, like you said, even if you see somebody else enjoying their day in some fun way, like that's uh, that kind of reminds you to be like, okay, I just need to like kind of get out of my own head, not take myself so seriously in this moment, and, and just own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, one, yeah, one, one final question. Oh, um, what would you say to a young person who is trying to like figure out what to do? You know, trying to figure out, we're looking for guidance on like where where to go with their life, whether that be like personally or professionally. Um, what would you What would you say to them as, as advice? Well, I would say that when you start to get into that thought process as to the where should I go or what should I do, that it starts to feel very lonely and isolated, and you start to get in your own head very quickly, and you start to think that people aren't going to understand. But the truth of the matter is people are going to understand. And so don't be afraid to raise your hand, speak up, ask the questions of those that you respect or that those that you have even given you the time. It could even be a family member, a grandparent, or what have you. They might not understand. Look, when I wanted to get into film and television, my grandparents didn't understand anything about that, but they knew that I had a drive and determination to do something beyond staying in my small town or what have you. So I would have those conversations and talk about it. And that there's, there, is, there are guideposts to everything. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone or search for something or try to ping somebody. Yeah, slide into the DMs of someone that you respect <laughs> on Instagram because you never know. They might respond in a, you know, and, and not be afraid to respond, you know, especially if you're coming at it from a point of genuine um, respect for what they're doing. Um, I've, had sev- I've had people reach out to me. I've reached out to people even through social media channels that you'd think would never respond because they've got hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. But they see that you're doing something that's similar, that you're finding guidance from them already. I, just don't ever hesitate. And don't, also don't, don't think that, you know, uh, don't be intimidated by anybody in, in power or a position of power or any of that because they're all, it sounds so cliche, they're all people too. And I think you can very quickly learn who the people that are using that power as a point of their own insecurity versus those that are secure within themselves and what to help and guide others. So I would uh, yeah, just never be afraid to ask the, the tough questions and never be afraid to, to ask any questions, frankly. Man, Dude, this, is, this is why I wanted you on the podcast. Oh. You're such a fucking badass. I love it. Thank I love you, it. Seth. That means a lot. Yeah, no, it, seriously. Uh, man, just... Just everything that you've been through, all of your, your perspective, it's 
awesome. It is so cool. And I really want to thank you for, for sharing everything with not just me, but everyone who's going to listen to the podcast as well. Well, thank you very much. No, I, I do appreciate that. I, I, I'm flattered that you asked me to come and join you tonight. Honestly, I, I really, uh, in the fact that you, you, you are, take such a fascination in, in the things that, you know, others do, uh, and the fact that you, and, and for, I've been asked a time or two to do something like this, and, and I've kind of been like, eh, I don't know, but the fact that any time that we've had a conversation, you've been so, um, you lean into people and you want to know more about them, I, 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 I had to do it. Awesome. Well, and very much wanted to. Well, I thank you for that. Really, I, I really do. Um, we'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I, I get lucky and you're able to do it again. You know? uh, well, yes. Listen, any any time we'll do, we'll do it again. I'll, I'll keep the uh, I'll keep the whiskey bottle full, and you know, please if, do. Uh, wait, I'll, hold on. I'll, but I'll you have, have to wait. I I know you're trying to wrap up, but you have two beers. I you do. have two beers that you none of, neither of which you've opened. But now <laughs> now like the producer in me wants to make a little foley noise. One, two three. There and you cheers. go. Cheers, and we will sign off. And. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Seth, very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope I provided some insight and some knowledge that will ultimately help you expand your mind and your life. If you can do me a huge favor and subscribe to my podcast and rate it on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever your favorite streaming platform is, I would sincerely appreciate it. It will help me grow and will help my message get out to the world. So, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I absolutely look forward to the next time I get to spend some time with you. All right, my friends, stay extraordinary.